0: That was a great church service. It really was. I really like what he said out of Second Chronicles too. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Would you forget your Bible again? No. Kevin! Like a good mentor, Hope moms are there, here to help. Back to church. Wow. Thanks. No problem. Like a good mentor, hope moms are there. That's messed up. Need a coffee break? (laughs) What did you do? Like a good mentor, hope moms are there. We don't handle cars, not the other guys. But would you like to have coffee? I promise you that none of those things that you saw in that video have happened to me or to my family in the last four weeks. That's, that's my promise to you. Hey, listen, as a church, uh, we think there's three things that we want everybody to be doing that we think will get them kind of on a speed track towards growing in their relationship with Jesus. One is experiencing this weekend celebration that we do. Uh, two is getting into a small group. And then three is serving in a ministry somewhere. We know that sometimes those are big steps to take for people that are just getting back to church or just finding their way into a big church like this. And so we work really hard to create next steps for people. And mom's coffee break is really just one of those opportunities. So if you're looking to get plugged in, don't really know what that next step is, and you're a mom, kind of a prerequisite there, we would love to have you uh, jump in with that. Hey, listen, obviously Pastor Mike is not here this morning, He is in Boston for the weekend. He is celebrating, as you heard last week, um, his wife, Laura, they are celebrating her birthday month. And so they're not not in Boston for the month. They're just there for the weekend, but he does a great job of loving and honoring his wife. And so they're there. Just a little bit, a quick background on me. So you know who's talking to you this morning. My name is Jason Gore. I'm our pastor and director of adult ministry here at Hope Community Church. I actually started to come to Hope and it was about 250 people. If you can imagine, there was a day uh, like that. And I ended up on staff here somehow in 2003, was here for three years essentially as our college pastor. And then myself and another pastor planted a church out of hope, was there for about six years. And about a year and a half ago, it just seemed like God was doing something different in our lives and so we stepped down from there and that church is still going great. God's doing big stuff over there. And then through some conversations with Pastor Mike, it seemed like maybe God was opening a door here for me to come in and uh, kind of oversee this recent small group launch that you've seen and be really involved with our small groups team. And so uh, my family and I have been back here for about a year and a half. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful uh, lady, Diana. She's incredible. And we have three little kids, Aiden and Addison, five-year-old boy-girl twins. And then we've got Connor, uh, a two-year-old. He's actually a big little guy, but a two-year-old. And uh, so I just wanna say thanks to you guys for welcoming our family back in uh, so well. And it's like we never left. And it's, it's I mean, it's, uh, it almost sounds cliche. It's such a blessing to be a part of what God's uh, doing here at Hope. So that's a quick thing on me, that's not as important as what we're gonna talk about this morning, so we're gonna jump right in. We are right in the middle of our fall series, Love Different, and if you've been here, or if you haven't, if, if you have been here and somehow you've forgotten, or if you haven't been here, we've been taking a really close look at what love is, how God loves us, and then how He calls us to love other people. So we've looked at things like how Jesus calls us to love our enemies. Now that's really difficult. Then He calls us to do the same for others. We've looked at how all of our stories are unique and while they may be unique, they're actually similar. And that all of us turned our backs on God and went our own way. But in the midst of that, Jesus laid down His life for us. And that's an inspiring story and so love inspires week three, we talked about how most of us to get to the top, most of us find ourselves looking to control situations around us, to manipulate the people around us, to get to the top. But when you look at what Jesus did, he said, you know what, I'm gonna become a servant. I'm gonna submit and I'm gonna sacrifice. So we said that love really should surrender. And then last week, Pastor Mike talked about uh, looking at Genesis, Genesis, how we're all made in the image of God. And so all of us have the image of God, and the signature of God written across our lives. And so we should make sure that we ascribe the appropriate value to others in our lives. And so love values. This week, Pastor Mike's not here. And so we're gonna take a good look at what it means that, that love does not let people be Duke fans. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't do it. I'm kidding, because he's my boss and I don't wanna get fired, but we should talk about that because it, it doesn't. This week, we're gonna talk about how love connects. And love connects, it's one of those statements that almost doesn't need an explanation. You almost don't need a preacher to get up here and talk to you about it for half an hour. You contrast that with where we were in week one, love your enemies, that's hard. Say, Pastor Mike, we need you to come up here and talk to us for an hour because I don't get that. But love connects, every one of us knows that love should connect us to each other. We've been singing about it since the 60s. There's something about this idea of love and the bond that it creates. So all of us would agree that that we should love and that love should connect us to each other. What's interesting is while we get that intuitively, our lives don't really show that that's the case. Think about this, we're building bigger and bigger houses than ever. In 1950, the average home size in America was 956 square feet with 3.6 people living under the roof. Move forward 58 years later, 2008, the average home size is now 2,500 square feet with 2.6 people living under each roof. Bigger houses, less people in them. We've gone from a French port society to really a fit-stin backyard club. We don't know who our neighbors are anymore. We just kind of invite people in who are just like us and that's where we stay. Family time, not really getting it there. We're spending more time in the office than ever. We're making more money. We're working, working harder, buying bigger toys. And then when we think about connecting, really what we think about is what we can do with technology at best, we, we make a phone call, but really usually we think a text or an email. And then with social media, you got the big three, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you've heard the stats, so I'm not gonna bore you with, with all of those. But what we're finding is those pieces are helping our connections grow wider, but it's not doing a whole lot to help our connections grow deeper. So we're achieving more and more with our lives and we're more connected than ever with technology. But listen to some of these stats. Since 1994, the percentage of adults taking antidepressants it's increased almost fivefold, five times, 11% of our population on antidepressants. A man by the name of Robert Putman, he did a study on the social framework of America. And what he found was that for every 10 minutes of commute, the average American was 10% less likely to develop meaningful relationships. Average commute in America right now, 30 minutes, one way. If you're like me, you're gonna be trying to do the math. I think that means we're 60% less likely to develop meaningful relationships than if we worked right next door, which would be weird to do that anyway. But the same study, it also showed that for the average American, and this is where this stuff starts making sense. The average American only knows two people that they can confide in for any meaningful conversation. Many have none at all. We're just not that good at this stuff. And it said by the year 2020, the second most common health issue around the world will be depression. So if our connectivity that we thought we had was real, why would we see so much separation? We said earlier, we, we know we were meant to connect. What's gone wrong? And so this weekend, what we're doing is we're looking at two levels of loneliness that that I think if we can get past, the two levels of loneliness, that if we can bust through those, I think it'll help us find the connection that we were created for and ultimately the joy that God would want us to experience. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm going to pick up where Pastor Mike left off last week. Uh, He was in Genesis 1, and so we're going to jump right back there, Genesis 1.26. I think he said if you want to look smart, you can open your Bible. It will be right there at the beginning. So go ahead and do that. But it says this, Genesis 1.26, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. What we pulled from that last week was that our friends, our families, even our enemies, every one of us is made in the image of God. And so we should ascribe the appropriate value to them. We have the image of God, signature of God written across them, so love should value. This week, uh, I wanna turn our attention to that little word in there, two letters, us. Let us make mankind in our image and our likeness. That's God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus and the Holy Spirit. What we refer to in the church is the Trinity and we're not gonna dig deep into that so you can just kind of push that aside if you want. But that's God the Father, God the Son and Jesus saying, let us, who's forever existed in perfect unity in eternity past, as we've existed in perfect harmony, perfect fulfillment without loneliness, let's make man like this. And so this is me paraphrasing, but, but God's saying what we have, thats so perfect, it's so beautiful, it's so fulfilling. Let's do that for man. Let's make man that way. And so what I, I would have you do, I'll, I'll pause right there and I'll just ask you this question. Do you, do you have that, do you have that in your life? You get a sense that you're connected in a way that brings life to you and brings life to those around you. And just sit on that as we're talking through these things this morning. You fast forward one chapter in the book of Genesis, chapter two, verse 18. God says, it's not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So God creates Eve. A woman, And there's a lot to say in there about how a man and a woman complement each other and they do and how they complete each other. So we hear about that at weddings, but there's obviously more going on here than just a man needing a woman. Man couldn't further recreate, community couldn't happen, real relationships couldn't exist. Man couldn't fully experience what God had originally intended. So he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So we're going to do a little social exercise here. I'm going to have every one of you turn to somebody next to you, whether you came with them or not. Turn to the person next to you and say, you... Complete me. That's <laughs> true. <clears throat> Someone told me last night, they said, that's in a movie. It's not in a movie, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. The movie, took it from the Bible. But me paraphrasing, God creates man and woman. You get this picture of this perfect relationship. They have this perfect relationship with God, this perfect relationship with each other. They're walking with God in the cool of the day. They're talking, they weren't depressed. They weren't working 70 hours a week, looking for fulfillment. They were satisfied. She's not eating the wrong food. That's a Bible joke, uh, if if you get that. He's still taking out the trash. They were making out outside like every day. That's in my translation. My poor wife. You guys are like, I wouldn't tell that joke. Genesis chapter three happens. So here's what happens. Genesis three happens and you got to get this. This this is critical. This is a critical turning point in the story. Genesis three is where Adam and Eve disobey God and everything falls apart. And I'm not going to give you all the details, but God creates Adam and Eve. He puts them in the garden. He says, everything is here for you to fully enjoy. I want you to fully enjoy each other. I want you to fully enjoy this relationship with me. There's this one tree over here. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from it. That's what he says. And in a moment of weakness, Eve thinks, you know what? If I eat from that tree, maybe I'll be more like God. And so in a moment, Eve thinks, you know what? I might know better for myself than what God knows for me. And some of us have been there. And as crazy as it sounds, in a moment, we lost everything that we were created for. Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And so the relationship with him was broken. They immediately start blaming each other and not trusting each other. And so the relationship with each other was broken and enter into the world for the first time, disconnection. Enter for the first time, loneliness. Loneliness. And I say as crazy as it sounds, but it's really not that crazy if you think about it. Our our world is so full of corruption that we're actually a bit numb to other people breaking rules and breaking trust. But if you think about a relationship that you have with someone for a minute, someone that, that you fully trust, and hopefully all of us have at least one person, someone you fully give yourself to, you're fully vulnerable with, you share secrets with that person. Just get that person in your mind and then out of nowhere, just that person lies to you and they stole from you. Pretend you find out that what they've been speaking into your life, into a certain situation that you thought they were trying to help you, as it turns out, they were really just trying to control and to manipulate you to a place that would actually benefit them. I've talked to a lot of you. I know some of you don't have to try very hard to get there because you're going through it right now or you've had it happen to you one too many times in your life. And so for that, I I say, I'm sorry. But if you play that out in your mind, if you play that situation out in your mind, What you have is a microcosm. You have a tiny picture of what's been going on cosmically since this third chapter in Genesis. What's been going on between us and God? What's been going on for us and each other for thousands and thousands of years? Because of their disobeying God, if we're smart, we'll own this, right? Because of our disobeying God, because of our constant and consistent sin, whether intentional or not, we've become separated from God. So for our intentions this weekend, we're gonna call that separation from God our level one loneliness. Okay, we're, we're separated from God. That's, that's where our level one loneliness comes from. And then we become separated from each other. So we're gonna call that level two loneliness. Now, the, the stage is kind of set, right? We know loneliness and disconnection exists. Some of us hide it better than others, but we know it's there. We, we understand how we got here. We know the why because of our own sin. Because of us, whether intentional or not, we do things our own way, not the way that God designed. And so if we're smart, we would say, okay, this is where we are. What do we do? So now what? What are are we going to do? I made fun of Duke earlier. Um, I'm an NC State grad. Wolfpack fans, anybody? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, On top of that, uh, I was a wrestler. I I still am. I spend a bit of time uh, on the mat. Uh, At NC State, we're simple folks over there. Um, We really are. And the truth is, from my years of wrestling, I don't know. I I actually might not be that smart. You can ask my wife uh, if you want to know the true answer to that question. But I'm just simple enough to think that if we're facing one of the biggest problems of our days, loneliness and disconnection, why not just look to Jesus when he was asked, what's the greatest commandment? And at Hope, we've come a long ways just by simply looking at what Jesus said and trying to apply that to our lives. And so that's what we're gonna do this morning. Matthew 22, the Bible tells us that there's a story of the Pharisees and Sadducees are gathered around Jesus. And one of them asked him, what's the greatest? Whoa, someone just get louder. What's the greatest commandment? And... uh, Pharisees and Sadducees really were just teachers of the law of the day. They were people that said, here's what the law says. Here's how you live it out. Here's what you do. Really smart people, but they were very bent on doing everything exactly right. So they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Here's what he says. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, I don't think it's a coincidence that when Jesus was pushed on what's the most important commandment, he addressed the big issues that actually got us here in the first place. You think about this, we just talked about it from Genesis. Our sin is what led to what we call a level one loneliness and a disconnection from God. And Jesus starts by saying, love the Lord God with your heart, with your soul, and with your mind, which is everything you have by the way, in case you missed it. So he says, let's address our disconnection from God. And then secondly, we need to address our broken relationships and our disconnections from each other. And that's what we're referring to as our level two loneliness. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I don't wanna get too far into that yet. I think it's probably more appropriate to start with that level one loneliness with our disconnection from God and, what, and how Jesus addresses it and what we can pull from that. So these men that Jesus were talking to, the Pharisees, Sadducees, they were known for their righteousness. They were known for their acts and for their displays and for their ability to follow the law and really all of the commandments to a T. But what Jesus is saying here is this whole thing, is not about your accomplishments. This whole thing is about your relationship with God and you guys are missing it. So for them, it was about outward appearance, following the rules, looking good from the outside. And if we're honest, we would We'd be wise to hear Jesus' words and to, to examine our own life. If we're honest with ourselves, uh, most of us, I tell you what, let's do it this way. Let, let's ask the question, and I'll put myself in the us. How many of us are running around? We're looking good on the outside. We're staying busy. We're getting promotions. We're growing our business. We're working to get a bigger house. Or maybe it's body image. We're in the gym all the time, starving ourselves. Or worse. And then our relationship with God is kind of like this. Yeah, I, I go to church. I'm going to tell you this very gently. That's not going to bring you connection, it, it's not going to break the loneliness that we find ourselves in. And then some of us, we just think we're good enough. That's just the truth. We say, listen, I've gone to church, I give money, I serve. Even when our church did that big small group thing, uh, I clicked the connect me button and I contacted a small group leader. And you do all of that, but you don't have a relationship with God. And it's because you've never slowed down to realize that you actually have a need for God. God. Or if you have slowed down, you've counted the cost and you've thought, you know what, it might just be easier to do a few checklists than it is to fully surrender. And so you're left disconnected. Now, our mission at Hope, is to love people where they are and to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. And so we want you to feel welcome here, regardless of your past, honestly, regardless of your present, where you are right now. But we don't want you to stay there. We don't want you to stay where you are. And Jesus says to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And it's possible that we're gonna have a sense of loneliness until we get there. Now, when you put together... A talk, or you're going to talk to people, which I have an advantage right now, obviously, because I get to talk for 30 minutes and you guys don't really get to interrupt at all, which is nice. But when you do that, you, what you try to do is put yourself in the seats of the people that are hearing and you say, okay, you're telling me this. What types of questions would I be asking? And if I were in your seat right now, I would be saying, okay, that's great, Jason, but how do I do that? What does that look like? Or, or a better question is really, Jason, why? What is it that would draw me into that type of affection and connection with God? And the answer is this. Love. Love connects. One of our key principles for this week is this. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. If you're on your phone taking notes, type this in. Love connects through a life laid down. Love connects through a life laid down. But here's the catch. It actually starts with His love for you. You have to realize that. First John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. His love for you at your worst right now, in the the midst of an affair where you sit right now, in the midst of you thinking about taking money from your job, from your work, in the midst of your alcohol addiction, drug addiction, in the midst of your pornography addiction that you have right now that no one else knows about in your life, but you know it's tearing your world apart. In the midst of that, God loves you more than you could ever comprehend. And we've hit on it over and over and over again in this series, Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of his love, love connects through a life laid down. John 15, 13, greater love has no man than this than one who had laid down his life for one's friends. Because of his love. Another passage in Ephesians, which I wish we had time to read the whole chapter, chapter two, you you gotta go back and read it. It starts out by talking about our condition without God, which is loneliness and disconnection to say the least. That's really the G-rated version. then in verse four, it says this, but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Because of his love. Love connects through a life laid down. What you might not know is this. At Hope, we have a lot of people who are new to this church thing. They don't, and so as a result of that, we just assume that there's people here that don't know everything that the Bible says. And so we try to make things as simple and as clear and as straightforward as we possibly can. So uh, this is an attempt to do that. Our sin, our disobedience, just like it did with Adam and Eve, it drives a wedge deep deep into our relationship with God. And whether you know it or not, since that moment in Genesis chapter three with Adam and Eve, God has been doing everything he can do to woo us back to him. Like a husband whose wife has left him and he's still passionately in love with their chasing after, he sought a way for us to come back home. And we get distracted. We give ourselves to other things And this is for everybody in here. This is for the elders of of Hope Community Church, to the pastors, to the ministry leads, to the person that just walked in here today for the first time. We get distracted, we give ourselves to other things and we're still left feeling disconnected and empty. And that plays out in our life. But for the forgiveness of our sins, there had to be a penalty. And Christ took it because of love because of His love for the Father and because of the Father's love for us. You know, we made wrong all the way back in Genesis, Jesus made right on the cross. And until you get that, until you accept that as a part of your story, you will never ever be able to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. So that's how we satisfy that level one loneliness by connecting with God through what Jesus did. Level two, loneliness, it has to do with our relationships with each other. And it's surprisingly not inseparable uh, from level one. So I'm going to ask you a question. What did Jesus say as it relates to loving our neighbors? It's a real question. You can answer out loud. What did Jesus say about loving our neighbors? That's what I hear. That's good. Yeah, love your neighbors as yourself. So if we're going to do what Jesus says when it comes to loving others, we first have to look at ourselves and look at how we need love. And if you go back, you look at what we just talked about, you clearly see that we need love when we don't deserve it. Some of you right now are saying, I see what you're doing right now. But while we were still sinners, even when we were dead in our trespasses, when we were far from God. So if we know we need love like that, all Jesus is really saying is, as you come to know my love, as you come to know my character, as you come to know my grace, as you come to know that love connects through a life laid down, Do the same for others. Do the same for others. And what we got to recognize right away, and I'll just say it, this is counterintuitive to everything that the world tells us. That's why this series is called Love Different. I get it. It's different. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you have to serve. That's upside down and backwards from everything that comes intuitively to us. And so you might hear that and you think, okay, wait a minute you tell me right now in my life, if I'm lonely and disconnected in my relationships with other people, if I have broken relationships, you're telling me I have to take an action step like loving them first. lean in really closely and and I'll say kind of gently what could seem like a tricky answer. Yes. Yes, that's what it's saying. I mean, I could ask you a question. How do you want people to love you? Pastor Mike talked about this in week one. Do you want people to love you based on your actions? based on your output, based on really what comes out of your life all the time? Or do you want people to love you based on your intentions, what you hope for on your best day? And every one of us would raise our hand and say, we want people to love us based on our intentions. And Jesus is saying, well, love other people the same way you love yourself. And for some reason, we, we just think naturally that if we're disconnected, it's other people's fault. They need to reach out to us. We think other people need to satisfy our loneliness. And I'll just ask you a question. If you are married, how would that play out in your marriage if you always expected your spouse to be the one to take that first step? How would that work out in your dorm room, in your suite with your suite mates, with your friends? And if you think about that for a second, you... you If everyone on the planet had that mentality, I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be lonely until somebody comes to me, this would be a really lonely place. And if you believe the stats from earlier, that that might be where we're headed as a culture, but the church... The church has got to step in just like Jesus did. If you're lonely and disconnected, take a step and reach out. Serve someone, meet a need, give somebody a hug, ask somebody a question and just listen. What's going on in your life? And just listen for a way that you can offer, a way for you to lay down your life for them and watch and see if their eyes don't light up. Watch and see if what's inside of you doesn't light up because whether you know it or not, you were created to live life this way. The second principle I want you to write down this morning is this. Since the beginning of time, you don't have to write that part down. God has used people to bring people to God. God uses people to bring people to God. To make right what we've made wrong, he sent people to lead other people towards hope and towards connection, towards God's best. Uh, Dave Lanuti, he's our area pastor over small groups in Holly Springs. He's teaching at the Holly Springs campus this morning. And he's teaching largely out of uh, a passage in Mark two, Uh, same principles, just a different passage. And that's a passage where, uh, these guys, they hear Jesus is teaching somewhere. And so what they do, they're going there, these four men, and they see this guy that can't walk. They can't move. And so they pick him up to take him to Jesus, knowing that Jesus can heal this guy. And they get there, and the house is packed. There's no way in. So they climb up on the roof, cut a hole in the roof to lower this guy down into where Jesus is. Jesus sees them, and he says, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. And these guys are probably like, wait, no, Jesus, the legs, the legs is what we brought him here for, his legs. And, but Jesus understands, he knows, that's the legs, as big of a deal as you think that is, that is not as big a deal as this level one loneliness. So he addresses his sins. He says, because of your faith, your sins are forgiven. And you read the story and you see that he actually heals them as well. He says, take up your mat and walk. And so Jesus heals him as well. But God uses people to bring people to God. It's our responsibility as a church to live out our mission, love others where they are, and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus Christ. What you need to understand, this is not church corporate's mission. This isn't for the elders to sit in a room with candles on, they don't sit in a room with candles on, and pray about, it's not for us to pay staff to come in and strategize about how we do that, and we can do that, and that's all well and good. But this is your mission. When you leave the building, it's your responsibility, it's your calling that Jesus has placed on your life to love other people where they are and to encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. Um, Said we try to make things simple. I'm gonna try to give you some practical ways to do that. Just some things that you can start practicing right away. But before I do that, it's imperative for you to realize this. We're halfway through this series, Love Different, but you have to understand you can't do this stuff Without first connecting to God, love your enemies, love your neighbors as yourself. You can't do it. We love because He first loved us. If you miss that, this is all for nothing, and you will burn out. You will. So first, connect with God through what Jesus did. If you're not there, that if you're not there yet, the stuff I'm about to tell you, um, don't try it. It's not going to work for you. If you are there these might help you connect with others and I think bust through this level two loneliness that we're talking about. The first one, uh, it's gonna surprise you a little bit. It's kind of simple. It's almost gonna seem trite. We've talked about the sins of the world being what separates us from God and that weighing on Jesus' back as he hung on the cross, big, heavy, deep stuff. This is going to seem a little trite. It's gonna shock you but it's because we just don't get it all the time. So be ready, be nice. Just, just be nice. We're not talking about behavior modification, be nice or be nice. But out of response of what Jesus did for us, we should be able to be nice to other people. It, it isn't rocket science. Here's why this is hard. We wake up in the morning and we think in our minds, whether we know it or not, we are the most important thing on the planet. And so when somebody else, and I do it, that's how I know. You can ask my family. I'm talking about myself here. And so then when somebody gets in our way, we think, how dare you get in the way of the most important thing in the world? And whether we do that on purpose or not, we do. And so if someone does that, you might even have a reason to be mean a little bit. But newsflash for all of us, that's actually not the case. We're not the most, but even if you did think that, remember, we're called to love others as ourselves. So they have the most important thing in the world going on too. So be nice. If you're disconnected with other people, ask yourself a question. Am I nice to others? Just think about it. Keep you up at night. If you're married and you have guts, ask your spouse. See what they say. Here's a a little rule for you. If you ask your spouse, if you're nice and you don't like what they say, you cannot be mean. (laughs) Doesn't work. It's gonna prove their point. Ask the question and listen. If you're not married, ask your roommate. The next one's pretty simple too. Be nice is here. This next one is a little bit more difficult. Is this, be hospitable. Hospitality, it's really a lost art in the church. First Peter 4, 9 says, offer hospitality to each other. Here's the hard part, without grumbling. Uh, open your home. Commit to inviting other people in. We talk to our small groups and our small group leaders about this all the time. Be intentional about getting to know your neighbors. Throw a barbecue with your small group. Invite someone to lunch uh, from church. I know what you're thinking. I don't wanna invite anybody because they'll see how crazy my kids are. It's okay, their kids are just as crazy as yours are. I know because I see them in the atrium climbing up the light poles. And the the only reason I see them is because I'm pulling my five-year-old son off the light poles too. So I know that it happens. But invite neighbors, start a small group but take the time to reach out to others just as Jesus did for you, be hospitable. Third one, we're starting to get serious. This is is a big one, the other one's be nice, be hospitable. This one, you actually, it's a question that you have to ask yourself. So a little bit longer, take some more time. This is gonna start to get heavy, but ask yourself this on a regular basis. What does it mean for me to lay down my life in this situation? All of our small groups, they're gonna be engaging this uh, this week. And so I'd encourage you to start thinking about it now. But what does it mean for me to lay down my life? Whatever you've got going on in your life that's challenging you and you don't know what to do, what does it mean for you to lay down your life uh, in this situation? Here's, here's another tip. If you're counseling somebody, or if you're listening to a friend, somebody that you know is a Christian, and don't do this if somebody doesn't understand They're disconnected from, this isn't gonna make any sense to them and it shouldn't, that's okay. But if you're talking to someone that you know is a Christian and they're saying, you wouldn't believe what my coworkers are doing to me or my boss who's making me work all these hours or this coworkers dumping work on me and he's not being a good team player, he's throwing me under the bus or a wife, my husband, you wouldn't believe what he's doing. He hasn't taken out the trash in a week and or my wife, my wife you wouldn't know when that happens, listen and then just look at them and say, man, that that sounds really, really hard. What do you think it would mean for you to lay down your life in that situation the way that Jesus did? It will get very quiet. Worst case scenario, they'll stop coming to you for advice. So it's kind of a win-win. Best case scenario. (laughs) Sorry, you can see my personality introverted a little bit. Um, Again, my poor wife. They, um, Best case scenario, though, you actually encourage someone to do what Jesus did for them, to show a love that's different. So it's a win-win. Um, the next one is this. Very, again, very straightforward. We say, you're all here, so we know that you get the weekend experience. We're glad you guys are here. We want you to take the next step. So we want you to serve or join a small group. We want everybody to do all three. We want you to be at a weekend service. We want you in a small group, and we, we want you to serve. We think that's a, a jet path to you growing in your relationship with Jesus. But whatever that next step is, Take that next step. What we get to do in small groups is to practically live life together, spurring one another on, joining in the mission that God's called us to as a church. It's the same thing with serving. You get to come here and you say, you know what, for this time, my life is not the most important thing around. I'm here to serve other people. And you will never, ever be more like Jesus than when you're willing to lay down your life so that other people can grow closer to God. Take that next step, find a small group, serve, do both. Um, We all get this stuff. Right? The world around us is, is, is crying for true connection and for true community. We know that we weren't made for loneliness. We, we were created for a vibrant and rich, fulfilling relationship with each other and a fulfilling relationship with God. We started this time by looking at how, how the perfect relationship between God and his son and the Holy Spirit and how we were made, God's desire was for us to experience the same fulfillment there. And obviously things went awry. If we slow down, long enough to look. I, I feel it, you feel it. We all feel it. We see it all over the news. When it comes to loneliness and disconnection, only to remember two, two levels. Remember two levels to focus on. One, level one, my relationship with God. Have I fully given myself to Jesus? Am I loving God with all that I have? Jesus laid down his life for us. Do you know you need it? And do you accept it? Start there. Deal with that if you need to deal with that. Level two, my relationship with others. Am I looking for opportunities to serve others, to lay down my life for others, or am I looking to be served? Jesus laid down his life for us, we lay down our lives for others. And I know that can sound backwards, but what if that's really the only way that we're gonna connect? What if Jesus knew the only way to experience life And love is through being willing to lay down our lives for others. And that's why I did it. Um, I'm gonna have us all bow together. And we'll pray in a moment. But Jesus knew loneliness on the cross where he hung to pay a price for us. Talked earlier about the perfect connection that God had with his son, Jesus. And it was that way for eternity past right up until this one moment when all of our sin, our sin, All of our disobedience was on Jesus' shoulders. And because sin drives a wedge into our relationship with God, his father had to turn his back on his son. And he felt loneliness for the first time and a disconnection from God for the first time ever. And he did that for love. He died to connect us back to God and to each other because love connects through a life laid down. Greater love has no man than this and one that would lay down his life for another. Can we imagine a church that was fully satisfied in life, living connected to God? No identity problems. Then imagine a church that was filled with people who were looking to love others the same way that God loves us. It's stand in huge contrast with the fake and empty world around us. People are hoping for something different love that's different. Love that connects through lives laid down. People would die to be connected to something like that. That's why Jesus did. Father, we, um, we love you. We thank you for scriptures. We thank you for the simplicity that we can look at our relationships with you, our relationships with others. Not that it's easy to get our minds around. Lord, but we thank you for that. I just pray for each person that's here in this room, wherever they are in their loneliness and their disconnection, whether that's a disconnection with you or a disconnection with each other, is that you would just be at work in their hearts, that you would help them understand with clarity that in the midst of their sin and their separation from you, whatever it is, you don't expect them to have it all together. You don't expect us to have it all together. But you invite us into that relationship with you through what Jesus freely did on the cross for us. Lord, help us to understand what it means to be willing to lay down our lives for others. Help us to be the church that continues to be known for loving other people where they are and to continue to encourage them to grow in their relationship with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.